And uh, yes, we're going to read from Matthew chapter 2. And you may uh, be wondering if I didn't realize that it's after Christmas. That's been a week ago. We're going to have the Christmas theme. Well, I like to preach Christmas sermons. And you know, I had four requests to preach in November and none in December. So I'm going to make up for it tonight uh, at, uh, at your expense or blessing. I hope it's the latter. Um, I know it's been a week ago, but there's another reason. And we'll clarify that even more in just a little bit. The wise men weren't at the cradle, the uh, manger of Jesus. They came much later. As a matter of fact, the very first word in Matthew chapter 2 is after. Now, I know some of the uh, translations, the New King James simply says Jesus was born in Bethlehem. But in the original Greek, there's a word inter introducing uh, this uh, sentence, which is translated in the NIV after Jesus was born. And uh, there are even translations that say sometime after. So I'm justifying my selection of, of a sermon on wise men because they came considerably after Jesus' birth. Hear the word of the Lord from Matthew chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. <clears throat> and as soon as you find him, report to me, so that I, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. May the Holy Spirit help us understand and respond in faith to God's infallible word. Please bow in prayer with me. Father in heaven, your word is truth. Truth which will lead us to life everlasting. And we pray now that you will 
open our minds and our hearts to understand and believe and respond in faith and gratitude for your revelation. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Think of the typical manger scene. Crash somehow is a word that has been used to refer to the scene of the manger scene. There's the baby Jesus in a straw-filled manger, animals feeding crawl, really. Uh, Mary and Joseph nearby. Some shepherds with their shepherd crooks in their hands and their typical garb that they've come in right from the field. And some wise men bringing their gifts, usually three. Well, those are a beautiful remembrance of, of the uh, Christmas event, the birth of Jesus. But it really is not that way. Sure, the shepherds were there. The angels had reported that there was this remarkable birth in Bethlehem. And they quickly said, let us go and see this great thing that the Lord has made known unto us. And they were there. They were there in Jesus' original birthplace. But the wise men were not there. So it happens that there is a scene right now in the lobby of Park Place, um, where we live, that has a typical Bethlehem scene with only the wise men present. Uh, the shepherds aren't even there. It's a very beautiful little scene, and it has just the wise men present. Well, uh, the Bible is rather clear about the fact that the wise men came quite a bit later, after the birth of Jesus. For one thing, if you read the, the account in Luke chapter two, it specifically says, and it uses Greek words that says, that the baby is in a manger. Whereas in this scripture that we have before us, Matthew chapter two, it, speak, it speaks of a child in a house. So the Bible is rather specific about that. And of course, as I mentioned much earlier already, after Jesus was born, the event is in, is in the past. They're in a house now. How do we understand this? Well, uh, it seems that the Lord wasn't through revealing the remarkable birth of his son just at the very beginnings, but that uh, at some delay there were representatives for the first time from distant lands, and that should interest us. They came from Gentile lands, and that's why I use this title, Christ's First Visitors from Gentile Lands. And we're thankful that he's had very many sins because his kingdom now stretches throughout the entire world. There's something striking and stimulating to the imagination about this uh, visit of the wise men. Yeah, the very vagueness of the account uh, seems to enhance its mystery. There are so many questions left unanswered that we could ask ourselves. For instance, where did they really come from? The Bible says, the East. Well, that could have been way out where, where the, what is presently Iraq, 
or even Iran, or even as far as the more distant lands east of Iran itself. Uh, we don't know really where they came from. Uh, we don't know how many there were. Uh, when I was uh, just a little lad, we had the Red Psalter. No hymns in it at all. That started in 1934, I guess. I was seven years old. Uh, when we got to the next uh, Psalter hymnal with some hymns in it. Well, when that next hymnal came, one of the songs, one of the Christmas songs was, We Three Kings of Orient Are. Now that was based on an old test, uh, on, on a, a medieval uh, a mis myth. And therefore, when the Blue Psalter hymnal was finally produced, which is still has some circulation among us yet, the, that song was dropped because it doesn't have a specific uh, biblical basis. So all of these questions we can ask, and the, the wise men seem to glide mysteriously into the scene. They don't say a word. The shepherds are quoted. They say to each other, let's go see what's happened there. That's recorded in the Bible. But they are never, the wise men are never quoted uh, at, the, uh, at, the, at the scene of Jesus' uh, presence. And just as silently, they move away because they were warned in a dream not to go and report back to King Herod. That would be disaster. Now, medieval Roman um, a tradition knows all about that. They tell us that there were three, that they were kings. Even knows their names. Gospar, Melchior and Balthazar. I had to write those down. I couldn't really remember them very well. And if you are willing to take the trip and naive enough to believe it, you can see some of the wise men's bones behind glass, behind the high altar in Cologne Cathedral. Well, how much more impresses, impressive is the gospel's rather indefinite narrative because who they were, not terribly important. What they did is they came to worship. So I've called this, these, uh, the visit of the wise men, Christ's first visitors from Gentile lands. Now in calling them visitors from Gentile lands, I'm not to taking any position as to who, what kind of nationality they represented. Um, whether they were Jews from the dispersion, remember the 10 tribes, northern tribes, went into captivity in 721 into what is now Iraq, never came back. Judah did, 20 year, 120 years later, they went into captivity among the Babylonians, the Chaldeans, and they returned, at least a small minority returned. But all of these others stayed way out east. And of course, they grew in numbers over the centuries. And some of them moved north into what is now Russia, and that's why there are three million Jews in Russia today. And then they multiplied and moved west into Europe and multiplied there, and there, of course, 
Six million of them came to tragic ending in the Holocaust. So they may have been dispersed Jews that remembered the prophetic anticipations of a of Messiah. And when they saw this remarkable stellar phenomenon, that bright light in the sky, in the western sky, when they were out east, they said something great must have happened way back there in the land of our forefathers. Or maybe they were Gentiles who had been proselyted and became uh, believers in the Jewish faith and accepted Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as their spiritual fathers. But whether they were Jewish or Gentile uh, believers, uh, they came out of Gentile lands, out of a Gentile culture, and motivated by a Gentile uh, science, astronomy, because they had must have been uh, viewers of the stars because they saw this remarkable sign. So this, these were the first visitors from foreign lands. I would like to mention just two major uh, issues tonight, and I'd like these uh, titles to be indicated on the screen. First of all, the sermon title, Christ's First Visitors from Gentile Lands. And first of all, there are certain instructional contrasts that I'd like you to see in this passage. These contrasts are the contrast between King Herod and King Jesus, the contrast between the eagerness of these visitors from Gentile lands after a long journey compared with the apathy and indifference of the people of Israel. And finally, the contrast between Bible knowledge and personal faith. Instructional contrasts, then. First of all, we have this remarkable contrast between an earthly and a heavenly king. Did you hear it in verses 1 and 2? After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, <clears throat> Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? King Herod and King Jesus. What a contrast. King Herod had established his kingdom with the sword, military power, by shedding blood, other peoples. Jesus came to establish his kingdom by shedding blood too his own. When we compare the two kings, it seems like a lopsided comparison. From the side of view of the, the vision of the world, everything is in Herod's favor. His was the awesome power of the kingdom. He ruled with regal splendor in the Jerusalem palace. He had an army at his disposal. He had servants. He could do what he willed. Compare that to Jesus, who at the time was just a child, very young, weak, just an infant. So the contrast seems very lopsided on first glance at Herod, in Herod's favor. But we who believe know 
that it's a lopsided comparison from Jesus' point of view. Though an infant hand should hold it, yet his was the authority in heaven and earth, for he was the divine son of the eternal God, come to be the very image of the invisible God, as the Apostle Paul had, has described it. His kingdom is without end. You sang about that a little earlier, didn't you? Um, the ends of all the earth shall hear and turn unto the Lord in fear. <clears throat> His kingdom is without end. He is the true king. And Herod was really an imposter, as is anyone who rules at any position of authority that does not acknowledge that all authority in heaven and among men is in the name of our Lord Jesus, God's divine Son. He is the true king. Herod ruled for 33 years and then died. 